welcome to Cinebabble episode 85, our second singles episode, Cinebabble single. Uh, Clint, I realize that Cinebabble singles might make a sound as if we're a dating app. I would say it's for a bunch of divorced dads. <laughs> Like it just dawned on me. Yeah. yeah. I am your host, Ken. And as always, I am joined by three times divorced dad, Clint Jones. Clint, sell the world and your baby mama's hello. I'm going to sell the world on me being a divorced dad. There you go. Um, yeah, I'm working on the fourth one. Yeah. So anybody out there who is lonely, uh, ring me up. Yeah. Clint and I had a little argument uh, in between <laughs> episodes since our last episode, because apparently I ended the last episode saying I was going to have a podcast recommendation this week. And Clint thought I was just messing around. And I'm like, no, man, continuity. And he started barking at me about, no, that's for the main storyline. These, These are, are separate side things. stories. And I said, no. No, we are yeah. numbering them too, and these are legit episodes. And while we we're talking about Bo is Afraid today, I want to come with a podcast recommendation. Do you have a recommendation? No. No? Oh, I was going to say, Ken's going to recommend Smartless or Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Oh. It's like, yeah, they need our push. Clint, Clint, Clint. You poor, poor man. Uh, I want to recommend a podcast. Uh, this is called the Podcorn Colonels. Uh, mm -hmm. They are uh, fans of the uh, the the pun, just like we are. It's actually two guys from England. I think they're only on like episode twenty or twenty two. Uh, I I insta met them. I met them on oh. Instagram, and I was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll give it a listen. I was actually a delightful, Clint. It was yeah. uh, the the accents alone. Uh, <laughs> they go a long way. They really do. Uh, so don't don't type in popcorn kernels. Mm. Type in pod kern pod podcorn kernels. You're really selling it, and I really am because yeah. it's it's a good listen. They got a good dry wit, and uh, you know I am not afraid to to share uh, airspace with uh, like minded individuals who are out there being clever and who have good cinematic understanding of, of what makes a that wow i really lost that god sentence. knows that we're not taking up much space out there so they can have a little <laughs> it's summer uh but no podcorn kernels check it out and uh see if see if you like them as much as i do you, you still don't have a recommendation clint I wasn't going to have one. I never signed up for this. This is a side story that doesn't need continuity. It's not a side story. It's continuity. And <sighs> I didn't think we ever had any to begin with. I'm so or disappointed in you. I never agreed to it. All right. So, uh, Clint, today we are talking about Bo is Afraid. This is a surprising horror comedy from director, writer, Ari Aster, mm -hmm. who did uh, Hereditary and Midsommar. And uh, thank I you was, for not pushing it. <laughs> it's <a mom. laughs> uh, but uh, this is this is quite the little movie. This is one Clint wanted me to watch. We went and watched it. Clint did indeed sit in the room and watch me watch it. Very little, very little because he got distracted. This was his second viewing. This was my first. And the movie ended. I'll skip past the credits. The movie ended, and I sat there dumbfounded <laughs> in disbelief. And after about two minutes of watching what is a scene that continues through the credits, I turned to Clint and I said, even though we had planned yeah. that we were going to come immediately and record, I was just like, I cannot record it. I have to watch that again. And so I did. I watched it again. Mm -hmm. And then I, I didn't have time to watch it a third time, but I went through and watched different chunks mm. uh, that, that, that I just wanted to wrap my head around. 
so Clint, why don't you tell everybody uh, what you thought of Bo's Afraid when you saw it in theaters, and then we'll hop over here and I will tell you about uh, what happened with just about all my neurons while watching this movie. Where are we hopping to? Where are we hop- hopping across the table? Oh, to you. Well, yeah, but you know, okay. you can hop across the pond to the pod kern. Cur- I'm just cur- trying to build continuity Why here again. Why does that mess me up every time? Pod... <laughs> Podcorn kernels. Man, you're so good at recommending it's things. A, shut up. <laughs> it's a good podcast. Go for it. I believe it Bo is. Bo is afraid. You're just poor at uh, I, I'm a poor salesman. This. Yes. Bo is afraid. Bo is afraid. Uh, Ari Aster has been one of my favorite directors of the past few years. I've, mm-hmm. I really liked Hereditary. We've talked loved. about him quite a bit. I would say loved. I loved I, Hereditary and Midsommar. I really enjoyed Hereditary. And by the time that kid is climbing that ladder into that treehouse, what a movie. Yeah. It went all... It, I loved the commitment. Yes. That's what I want is commitment. Yep. Midsommar, same exact same thing. Same exact thing. It, it, was, it was real dedication to like go with a concept and follow it to its bitter and end. And push it to the extremes yep. of where it can go yep. in your imagination. Mm-hmm. Let's not like at the end just like pull the punch and um, not commit to what we wanted to say. Yeah. Um, and so I was super excited. This is one of those films where I've been, I was counting down the days. I was going to see it opening weekend. Um, and actually I had follow through and I did that. And I went and saw it in the theater with my brother and full, like I, I wanted to get you to go with me, but man, theaters suck these days and, Seriously. and do not keep anything in for more than like a week and a half. So we didn't get that opportunity, but, um, the first viewing of this, that was kind of a side tangent, but the first time seeing this film, I was, I recognized that I really enjoyed it, but at the same time, this thing has so many different directions it goes and plays with so many different ideas and that I was a little perplexed by it and didn't know exactly how I felt by it about it. Um, but as the, the days went on after it, it was stuck in my head and I was unpacking it and I um, just began to really love it mm-hmm. and love what he was doing. And at, like I said, with Midsummer and, and Hereditary, just went full tilt into it mm-hmm. and didn't like he explored everything like to its fullest and beyond. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just goes in directions that you're, you could never say you thought it was going to go mm-hmm. in that direction. And that's what I loved about it. So um, the second time I was so excited to get to view it from a different angle of, I know where this is going I um, can enjoy the the acting that's going on, as, as especially with um, Joaquin Phoenix, because the first time it almost felt so subtle that it almost felt like he wasn't doing very much. But this time, really? I yeah, because mm. it was a different character. Like there was, it was a different character than I'm used to from him. He's always different. He's always more a very serious, dark kind of character in a lot of things. And to see him do this very almost comedic 
very mild mannered kind of guy. Um, it was seeing him from a different angle. Mm -hmm. So th this time I got to really enjoy his performance and it was amazing. Um, also just like the, like just the attention to detail I was, I, I was able to really enjoy. And, um, also because this thing is broken up into so many different kind of chunks, there's, it's, there's acts within acts. This time I got to, um, kind of piece it together and see the through line to all that. Um, and this time walking away, I absolutely love this film. This is my favorite film of the year. I don't think anything's probably gonna be able to top that because this level of surrealness doesn't come along very often. And that's something that I look for and really want. And, uh, yeah. So what did you think, Ken? This is a twist movie without a twist. This is a movie <laughs> you will watch and the whole time, if you were like me, your brain is trying to figure out what the reality is beneath mm -hmm. the zaniness and craziness that's occurring on screen. Get that out of your head right now. Uh, I loved my first viewing of this film. I have no idea why. I mean, I knew different little reasons, but like you, I just, I sort of, I recognized that this was an incredible film. I just could not get my head to wrap completely around it. Yeah, yeah. Second time was so much richer. Mm -hmm. uh, I would highly recommend, unless you hate this movie, watch it two times. Because man, the second time from the beginning is is just a whole other beast. Uh, this is a movie, I mean, you sat there my first time I laughed out loud mm -hmm. so much like hard laughs where yeah, something yeah. takes you by surprise and suddenly you're just busting out laughing. Uh, not because it's traditionally funny. Joaquin Phoenix is doing a very straight laced, uh, you know, kind of every man performance, uh, where Yes, he has, you know, he's a hypochondriac and he and he's afraid of the outside world and he's got all of these other fears. Bo's afraid is a very literal title. But at the same time, he takes everything so seriously. He's mm -hmm. never questioning what he sees. He's always, you know, in his world, this is perfectly normal. This is exactly what happens outside of my apartment. And you never have a moment where he's like, well, this is weird. This mm -hmm. isn't normal. Why is this happening? Just this is the world he lives in. And it, it is so surreal and so bizarre. I mean, everything, every background character, every detail on the street, every uh, writing on a wall, can every I piece of signage. Can I say something about sure. that? Especially that first segment. Sure. That, it is heightened in a way. Mm -hmm. But to me, that is how reality feels. Really? Yeah. Like, it feels like if you go out in the world, if you're in a city or something, like, I mean, that's how it feels. Like every single person, though. People are weird. I know people are weird. Yeah. But there's there's I not mean, a single human just strolling along in the background of this movie. I well, mean, it's like. there. I mean, there are kind of. But um, it's and it's condensed into one area. Yeah. Um, but like it, to me, this the elements of this feel more like reality than some other films wow. push, it, push it. Just because okay. it's. I don't know. It's just kind of all the horrors <laughs> and like stresses of the world, but yeah. just shown at one time. And like, well, and I recognize that in the real world. This definitely captures that feeling of anxiety, that that feeling of panic attack, that feeling of 
you know, being normal in a sea of abnormal. Yeah. Um, and it it keeps increasing it. I I think what I enjoyed the most the first time that worked for laughs, and I laughed again the second time. But the second time it it was again much richer and and it was a, a deeper experience. But this movie, like his other movies, uh, commits. It it commits to the premise and it does not let go. Mm-hmm. It holds to it from start to I mean literally till the end of the credits. It it holds to this idea of we are in what this character sees as real. We are in his headspace. We are in his reality. And there's never going to be a moment where, oh, surprise, he's a mental patient. Oh, look, right. he's a – you could read it that – you could read this movie so many different ways that, you know, underneath of this all is, is a normal story of a normal guy with problems. Mm-hmm. But that is that is not – what is represented on screen. And I loved every minute of it. I loved how dramatically it would shift. Mm-hmm. It goes from just this warped dystopia of guilt and panic and dread to this uh, strangely idyllic forest with this little theater troupe that gets stranger and stranger and stranger. And then suddenly there's just an entire animated sequence that is not funny at all but it's just beautiful and haunting and uh the way it combines two short stories that kind of collide into each other over the course of this animation sequence is just I, I was i was completely blown away i was even more blown away the second time and you said who did the animation the the um the artists directors animators who did the wolf house yes, um, which, which i we cannot, reviewed a while yeah back. yeah and that was one of my favorite films yeah. that year yeah. um I will say that um, this time, and it was something that I thought about after the first time, as much of he lives his life in this state of anxiety and fear, um, especially that first segment where there's moments where he's out in the world, kind of in a normal state, the the whole idea of anxiety, I feel like in this too, like in this film is is almost imposed upon him, especially yeah. by his mother. It's yeah. not, it's and it's learned and taught to him. And it's not something like when he's functioning in a normal, like, you know, he's just out in the world, he's he's not experiencing that. So it's like, if he's not knowing that this is something he's supposed to be afraid of, he's not. And even though there's chaos happening around him, but this is not, this is not the thing affecting him. It's things that like his mother has put upon him and taught him that he should be afraid of and avoiding in his life. To the point that that's what comes out of him naturally and organically. Yeah. At, at his base level are these, these reactionary, uh, these extremely abnormal reactionary moments mm-hmm. that are completely unhealthy. There's nothing about this where here's a guy struggling between healthy decisions, unhealthy decisions, healthy behavior, unhealthy behavior. He's just he's he's lost at sea, and it's this sea that his mother has essentially just constructed for him. Yeah, and he's I, just adrift. And, I, yeah, ugh. and I almost see him as like kind of like an innocent in yeah. a way because. Yeah everything uh, he is like everything he like even bad decisions that he's making are almost like put upon him and like he's left with no other option Um, he's also been deprived of every 
adult stage of life or, yeah. or not stage of life, but everything that as you enter into adulthood, there are certain milestones, there are certain things that that sort of click into place and you grow up in and you become your own independent being. Right. He's been deprived of all those mm-hmm. things. And so he's very childlike and, and he's very, uh, you know, just developmentally uh it's it's just watching this this man child who is doing his best to succeed at the world in front of him. Yeah, but he has not been equipped with any of the tools needed mm-hmm. to succeed. Yeah, uh, and man, what an awful mother! This is <laughs> man. This goes down as one of cinema's worst moms ever. Yeah. This is not a movie to buy your mom on Mother's Day. <laughs> It's, unless she has a, like a wicked sense of humor. Unless you're really trying to send a message, then this is the perfect movie to buy or, your mother. Or mother's she day. might be a great mom and just really likes good movies. Yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, I never want to talk to my mom again. If I could just find a movie <laughs> that I could give to her that would say it in one two-hour stretch. And just three a note, hours, a actually. note on it that just says, I thought of you yeah. when I saw this. Yeah. Um, this is actually – also, I forgot to mention that. This is a three-hour movie. It does not feel like a three-hour movie. Yeah. This thing clips along – uh, even even when it's being slower and lyrical, and it just it really even the second time it just held me uh, in in this spell. It just I I could not let go of it. Even the first time sitting through the yeah. credits was a legitimate. Yeah, I just watching what's happening on screen. Right, because like it has you kind of so off kilter by mm-hmm. guessing and trying to figure out what's happening, but also kind of. You, you, there's no option that you're going to figure mm-hmm. that out, that you, the time just passes. Yeah. And also like the unconventional structure to this movie, like is so interesting and like also keeps you off guard, like that you're, you're not sure what, like there's not a, you could, you I mean, it's kind of broken down to a beginning, beginning, middle, and end, but also within those sections, mm-hmm. there's beginning, middle, and ends. And so, like, it's almost like there's a th- really strong through line to these vignettes that tells a full story, but um, but also, I mean, you couldn't watch them individually without those other sections. It's yeah. it's just so like I love the I like how freely he just moved th- through all of those yeah. um it's really amazing and it it it's it's very hard to explain something that's so seamless visually yeah but every scene just sort of melts into the next scene even when entire locations change even when entire styles change it just feels as if everything lines up with what came before it mm-hmm. and it it does it in such a dreamlike fashion yeah uh you know i i think if you really want to discount the reality of the surrealism presented you could say that from beginning to end this is like this fever dream that you're watching because it is very it it breaks certain rules and it it is dreamlike it is nightmarish i think but, that first section though is grounded enough yeah. That it is heightened, but it's grounded enough in our re- world. Yeah, that it's a heightened world that we live in, um, and condensed in this kind of square block where he lives. Mm-hmm. But you get a sense of, and you recognize everything in that. That by the gets to like the second segment, and the second segment also is very grounded in this very, like, atomic 
uh, American family um, that you recognize that. And as that's going on, it gets a little bit more surreal and a little bit more surreal that when it, it goes full tilt into surrealism, I feel like it's a natural progression. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So what do you think – this was pretty divisive with some people and some people absolutely hate it. What do you think it is that I, – I haven't gone off. I don't, I don't want anybody to spoil my – I just – I don't care. Uh, I love it. I'm going to love it. Uh, but the whole time I was watching it, the only thing I could think of that would turn somebody off is just – uh, kind of the heightened style of it, the heightened surrealism, and that it doesn't have an answer. It doesn't have that moment where it's like, and he was in a car wreck, and he's dying, and this is all happening in his head. Do you have any idea what it is that... I think a, lo a lot of people can't shut off that analytical part of their brain mm -hmm. to let the, um, the image and the moment that he's in, like mm -hmm. he, that he gets himself into kind of wash over them and mm -hmm. like, let that stand as its own, yeah. that they need this through line of like, there's an answer to all this, why are we being shown this? Yeah. And, um, like, I think letting go of that and letting yourself just be in the moment of what he's in them, like, yeah. and take it as face value. I love when you can just put that aside and, I think a lot of movies probably would benefit from that if you mm. don't need these through line answers that make something make sense. Yeah. I think, I think we've been trained to think that way, though. Yeah. Yeah. I, and you need to let, I think, letting go of that, you can enjoy things yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But, no. but also, I mean, there's certain movies where that's necessary. And it's, but like, it, it depends on the director's intention. Yeah. If, if you um, are intending, there's this very strong through line and like plot driven narrative and everything. And then it doesn't, you're not following those guidelines that you set up for yourself. And then at the end, it, it doesn't work because of that. Yeah. Um, you need to, I don't know, you just got to play by the rules that you're setting up for yourself. And this plays by its rules. It, oh, like, yeah, it sticks it, like, to it. It sticks to, like, you're not going to have a grasp of what is real yeah. and what is not. And that's the fun of this. And sometimes there'll just be things that have no explanation. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's a reason, but it's it does not feel the need to explain I, there's, every little decision I think and thing that happens on screen. Yeah, everything that, like, you could question as, why is that there? I think because there's so many um, things he's playing with yeah. and like motifs and ideas that like, I'm sure there's a thought process behind it. There are moments in this movie that, I mean, were just straight slaps in the face. They were so bizarre <laughs> and seemingly out of left field, but they're never out of left field. Yeah. They always make sense. But in the moment, it's such a jarring, wait, what did they just put on screen mm -hmm. that it really would throw me off and make me laugh not only because of something I was looking at, but just because of just the sheer surprise. Yeah. Uh, like Christmas morning surprise, like when you were a kid of just, what even is this? Yeah. And, and, and that feeling kind of pervades the whole movie. I think that's another thing. I think people who came to this having watched Hereditary and Midsommar uh, coming to this expecting 
him to do the third Ari Aster movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's some disappointment that could be had there. I was not. I love when a when a director does something different, and this still felt in his style, even though oh, it was certainly sure. more humor driven. But but even then, even that's not even fair to say. It's not a comedy in the traditional sense. It is, and it isn't. But also, like the moments of horror and stuff are very much Ari Aster's yeah. like things he's done before. Yeah, this guy and, loves triangle-shaped attics. And, <laughs> and like Midsummer, like had hints of humor in yeah. it. Um, but this just like, he, and he's been like, I've been watching interviews with him even, I mean, like when Midsummer came out and stuff and he's talked about how like he was never intended to be a horror director yeah. and he was not, he's not planning to stick to being a horror director. he, he did horror because he was able to get horror made yeah. at the budget that he needed and because of um, that's what sells. Um, but now he's kind of made a name for himself and he can explore those other avenues. Yeah. And um, and I'm I'm happy for it. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. totally excited. Like, it makes me excited that he hasn't painted himself into this corner. Yeah. Like, this is the only thing I do. He... It, that makes, I think, for a longer career yeah. and a more interesting career. And I think that's something, too. You can't just, you can't say, okay, this filmmaker sticks to certain stylistic trappings, so that's automatically bad. Or this filmmaker is always reinventing, so that's automatically bad. A good movie is a good movie. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, I will probably love Asteroid City. It looks more Wes Anderson than any <laughs> Wes Anderson movie before it, but that's that's fourth, fifth tier of what he's doing in those films. Mm-hmm. If it was just the style, yes, then it would get repetitive. That would be a problem. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's operating at, at different levels. Same thing with Ari Aster. There, there are times where you can get the sense of the the exact same filmmaker who made the films before this but he's having fun with it and he's he's doing different things with it. It's the same sensibility, but just viewed through a different lens. For sure. I mean, like there's different um, ways of painting with the same yeah. brush. As yeah. far as like Wes Anderson, he uses the same stylistic choices in color palettes and stuff. And Ari Aster is playing with the same kind of themes of like yeah. strained um, relationships with paternal figures and um, and horror elements that are through lines. And, and this one, he just is pushing the... Like, there's levels of surrealness to his other films. This one's just pushing those further and the comedy aspects further, which I am so, like, I I love Hereditary Midsummer, but they are hard movies to rewatch. Yeah. And I think this one, like, I, I will be able to revisit so much easier and willingly um, that that makes me excited for the direction he's going to. I think... Yeah. Well, yeah. and I, I think for his fourth film, I would like to see what issues he has with his father, because clearly, <laughs> clearly he's got issues with moms uh, over these first Which three movies. Which is strange because, like, I've heard him talk about his mother, mm-hmm. and it seems like they have a wonderful relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, they got him into film and, like, would take him to see great films. And I think within that that idea of the mother and stuff, he's exploring something bigger than that. It's yeah. like from what I've heard him talk about, he's not, it's not a directly a one-to-one, the mother 
a mom re- re- represents something greater in our lives than that. I just imagine Ari's mom going to the theater with her friends of like age and social status. And as each of the three movies play, <laughs> they just slowly turn and look at her. <laughs> As every uh, older female presence just is a nightmare for whoever our main character is, <laughs> typically young and and uh, you know abused. So I don't know. abused. <laughs> All right, so I I absolutely love this movie. Uh, I still, even after two viewings, I don't think I could properly describe exactly why I love this movie. It's just it's an experience. Uh, it reminds me so much of. The same kind of uh, the wow factor of originality I had watching everywhere, everything all at once last year. Yeah, yeah, uh, is the same kind of wow factor. They're very, very different movies. I'm oh. not. I'm not trying to compare the two movies. It's just that sense of wonder while watching, and that sense of just befuddlement at the end. And just excitement at what I had just watched. That yeah. was very similar. This time. Um, um, it and I've heard him talk about how he's really into this director. I am also really into that. I've spoken about a couple of his other films on the, the other on the main podcast, and that is Roy Anderson. And then this time, I was dr- like really seeing a like direct correlation between yeah. those two, and like in just visual styles, and not in a rip off. You know, like he's trying to rip him off or anything, but just like. He his influence and and that, and that was really interesting and um, fun to see this yeah. time around. Um, there was a couple other things that too where I was seeing him directly reference things and uh, it's just fun when a director is doing that. Kind of in the way, you know, like Tarantino does that, but it almost feels sometimes it feels like a not plagiarism, but mm-hmm. he's just referencing a little too strongly. Yeah. And this I like the little nods that he's he's paying to these influences he has. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to um, revisiting this one. There was another film that I also, that we, I would one day maybe like to review this. And this is a Charlie Kaufman f- film that came out during quarantine and everything. It was kind of never heard anyone talk about this film. And it is, um, I'm thinking of ending things. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, I love that film and I've watched it numerous times and I think you had it on your top 10 and I had my honorable mentions at the end of the year. I think so. It was like yeah. when we just started up again, yep. I think. Yep. And man, I never like it just kind of came and went and nobody ever talked about it. Let's talk about it next time and um, we should definitely do that. And there was such like there was moments in this that felt like moments in that and just mm. the level of playing with surrealism and structure and just exploring things like ideas through other things. Um, Great movie. This, I I just, the the centerpiece of this movie for me was tied to that animation sequence. I have never seen uh, two stories being told at the same time within a story where the two stories collide. Yeah. That was just even, I got so excited coming up to that the second time and just watching that moment where, wait a minute, where did one story mix with the other? And it snaps him out of, of, of kind of this trance he's in. I love, that is easily one of, of the most amazing extended sequences 
I've ever seen in a movie because it just, it completely caught me up in its storytelling and I didn't even realize what it was doing until it had done it. And, and that scene is mm. very kind of a very key scene to yep. his psyche. Yep, like, it's not just stylistic. No, no, it's yeah. stylistic. It, it is very visually beautiful and stylistic mm-hmm. in its in that segment, but also like how he snaps out of it, like yep. gives you really a picture into almost like viewing the rest of the film yep. too. Yep. It's a very key moment in that yep. film. And I still have questions at the end of this thing. Oh, yeah. I have so many things where I'm still trying to wrap my head around a scene or understand, okay, what's, what's, I, I understand the scene. Yeah. It's just like, what's being said here? What's, you know, how does this tie into the the deeper themes and, and what's he trying to say here? But this, this is another thing. Like when I, when we talked about Donnie Darko and mm-hmm. I was talking about the mystery of that film and exploring it. But also letting go of that yeah. and just enjoying yep. the mystery of it. Like I, I love like not overanalyzing something to where you've figured it all out yeah. and you know all the the puzzle pieces behind it that built it. And uh, I don't know if you could without being in his brain, unless no. he was sitting there like taking you through point by point. But he is not that filmmaker. No, he. So. I've watched so like every interview he did after this with like at film festivals mm-hmm. and stuff, and like. He doesn't want to answer the questions. Like he paint like he talks around every question yeah. that he's given because he wants to be a mystery. Yeah. And that's wonderful. Yeah. Especially when it has enough meat on the bones that there's you you know there's something behind yeah. it. And it thematically works. If you even if you don't know the key reason it's there, it thematically falls in line with the rest of the yeah. film. Yeah. Yeah. So Bo is afraid. Joaquin Phoenix is tremendous. It, it, uh, it's there's a, so many good performances oh, in yeah. this movie, not just him. People come, people go. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's, uh, oh my goodness, Nathan Lane pops oh, up in this movie so wonderful. and destroyed me. Now Parker Posey's in it. Yeah, um, Amy Ryan's in there. Yep. Um, trying to think who else. There's just so many great moments. And just so many wonderful background actors who are just like eating up scenery, even though they're- Richard Kind. Oh, yeah. Shows up at the end. He's wonderful. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely great. It will, uh, I I cannot wait to see if there's a movie that can kind of knock this one off my number one spot because I'm kind of with you, but I'm excited if there's one that can do it because- I don't see it happening for me because this is like the thing I'm looking for. See, this is the perfect blend of weird and plot and anti-plot and plot <laughs> expectation and breakage of that expectation that I'm always hunting for. Yeah. Where I feel like I can reside with you on your platform <laughs> before I have to like hop off and go back to my own platform. This is this is that little it's that moment where the two little floating platforms of Mario there's Brothers moment, touch. Yeah, there's moments and you where can walk we from one to the other. we uh, collide yeah. in our, yeah. this search. No for... collision, Clint. Just a a graceful little touch where where Mario or Luigi steps from one platform to the next. It's a graceful collision, graceful like two collision. ice skaters who then swing off and do a wonderful trick. That's not a collision. That's a that's a dance. It wasn't meant to happen, but they really like pulled out of it in a graceful way. And here Clint and I are again falling apart. <laughs> so briefly united and now. Do you have any more podcasts you want to uh, recommend? No, Clint. I recommend Cinebabble and I and, recommend you review and it Cinecurnal. and subscribe to Pod Pod. Corn kernels. Podcorn kernels. I didn't realize, like, when you read it, it makes total sense. But when I try to say it quickly, it trips up my tongue every time. Uh, but seriously, the accents alone, 
Uh, I have no doubt just, it's just wonderful. It's a delight to listen to. Yeah. It's a new podcast, you know. Yeah. I was going to bring it back up because I didn't want to, you know, step on your toes, but. Uh, there's no toes to be stepped on. Good. Good. They're Cinetoes. Cinetoes. Cinetoes Crunch. <laughs> Still. Every now and then I regret not naming this podcast Cinetoes Crunch. Send to Vaccine. <laughs> That's our next podcast. Sintavax. Sintavax. <laughs> Sintavax is our next anti-vax podcast nope, that we're going to do. Us. Big yep. anti-vaxxers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just like uh, our future president, <laughs> what's his name, uh, Kennedy? What's his name, McGee, that we won't like anyway? Yeah. Everybody hates every president now. Mm. Anyway, uh, watch Bo is Afraid. If you don't like it, try it again. If you like it, watch it again. If you think it looks too weird for you, watch it anyway. And if you don't uh, like it, you're wrong. I you're wrong. And I guarantee you <laughs> at least have had an experience. Right. Nobody is going to walk away from this movie saying like, eh, eh it's just no flavor. And it was boring. And, no. and blah. this is a tasty cake. Yeah. This is not a it's fine. No, this is not a Clint font. This is a wow. Or yeah. uh, I don't know. I think it'll wow you. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, I really do. I do, too. All right. Well, this has been episode 85, our second Cinebabble single. Uh, No, we are not taking applications for wives or husbands, uh, even though Clint, thrice divorced, uh, is, is, I guess, looking for someone to raise his kids. Ken and I are very committed to each other. We are. Yes. So thanks, as always, for listening. And uh, hope you have a great uh, rest of the week and avoid those Canadian wildfires. I won't set anymore, I promise. Thank you, Clint. Bye. Have a good one.